Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sadly, this is what home sounds like for many of America's heroes. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street, sleeping on nothing more than cardboard. You can help. Donate at cardboardtoheadboard.org. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited today to be joined by Kate Scott, play-by-play announcer and host of The Morning Roast on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. Kate talks about the fear associated with breaking barriers and how she is able to push through it. She also talks about the importance of not only being focused, but also being open to opportunities while reflecting on tough early criticism and how to make yourself indispensable. You do not want to miss this episode. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review and follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And with that, let's get to it. Kate, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. I have been so excited to have you on the podcast. I've been excited too, Tracy. Thanks for your patience. I know it's taken us a while to connect, but excited to be here today with you. Well, it was well worth it. I know it. It'll be. It'll be. I I have a good feeling. I definitely have a good feeling. Uh, So let's let's jump right in. You have had a very incredible professional career to date. So I was wondering if you could just start by taking our listeners kind of from the beginning to to where you are today. And of course, the morning roast just premiered Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. So you could take us. Take us through your oh, journey. Gosh, there's so many jobs, Tracy. Where do I even begin? I feel, <laughs> I feel like the best way to do this because I usually just get lost in, in the weeds and stories is to literally like I'm I'm looking at my LinkedIn page right now because you're That's right. a good idea. I've had so many jobs. Well, I think it's important for folks who who want to do this because I think we often get blinded by the people who've had one job and then are big superstars on ESPN or Fox Sports mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, that is the exception to the rule. Like it it is great to get to work for one team for a year and then have somebody at ESPN or NBC or Fox notice you. Like that's amazing. But I think that more often than not, that at least from everybody else who I've met in this industry, um, that is the exception. Um, So I did four internships while I was in college. Um, They were all television internships, all with local ABC stations while I was going to Cal and majoring in communications and working on our little highlight show there. I kept (laughs) working on the little Cal highlight show after I graduated back in 2005. And slowly but surely, I started doing other things. So because they liked me on the highlight show, they asked if I wanted to host the post-post-game radio show, which was on like an hour after Cal football games were over and there was probably 10 people listening. But it was <laughs> it was an opportunity to be on the radio talking sports, which if you're a woman or really anybody who's just out of college, like you take it. So, mm-hmm. so I did that. Um, as I'm doing that, I start working as a traffic reporter on the radio here in the Bay Area. And I remember emailing a bunch of friends who were in the industry saying, like, do I take this job? It's not sports. And thankfully, they were all older and wiser and said, yes, it's a foot, uh-huh. in, the, it's a foot in the door in radio in the Bay Area, one of the top five markets in the country. Like, it doesn't matter if they're asking you to get coffee, you say yes to it. So mm-hmm. I did that for five years. I was producing stuff. So I wasn't on air for the first couple of years. Then I trained in the airplane. I was an airborne reporter for like a year. But slowly but surely, I was able to tell people like, hey, sports is actually my passion. So whenever the sports people were on vacation, 
it usually meant I was coming in 5 a.m. on Christmas morning, but I got to start doing sports updates on the local stations around here, which would eventually help me get the job at, at KNBR, which was my first big jump into sports radio. Um, okay. But but so those those things are going on. So I'm I'm being a, a traffic uh, reporter for five years. While I'm doing that, I'm also hosting Cal's post-game football radio show. While I'm doing that, I start doing a little work for the San Francisco Giants because I, I met a guy at, at a holiday party uh, and just told him what I was doing. And the next thing you know, he's saying, hey, do you want to host like a webcast for us? This is how old I am, Tracy. Started doing <laughs> a webcast was like a new hip thing. So did that. So uh, the, the moral of my story is pretty much I'm doing a ton of jobs at once. The big jump is in 2011. Um, I get an opportunity to be the morning sports anchor at KNBR, which is a big sports radio station out here in the Bay Area. Giants, 49ers, Warriors at the time, flagship radio station. So it was huge. Um, and because of that, got a ton of exposure. Um, was there for six years. And while I'm doing that, I become the sideline reporter for our minor league team out here, the San Jose Giants. I become the sideline reporter for the San Jose Earthquakes, the MLS team out here. I start anchoring Saturday Night Sports for NBC Bay Area. So the moral of this story, again, is... I was working a ton of jobs at once in order mm -hmm. to get to that next step. Um, in 2015, I got hired by the Pac-12 Network out here in the Bay Area to start doing play-by-play -play for them. Another odd job that I've been doing in addition to all the other jobs. Um, and I started calling games for the Pac-12 Network and reporting and hosting, getting to do everything, getting to kind of bring my skills all together in this one place. Um, did that overlapping with KNBR for a few years, and then it just got to be too much because I literally was not sleeping. So um, mm -hmm. have done work for the Pac-12 Network for the past five years. Uh, and as I was doing that, NBC National um, was interested in my play-by-play -play work. So I got to call some basketball games and most recently a hockey game for, for NBC um, National and NBC Sports. Um, and I've also done some other stuff, hosted a podcast for The Athletic, uh, and have recently, as you mentioned, gotten back into sports radio here in the Bay Area, um, in large part because of the pandemic and the effect that it's had on college sports. So uh, I think the moral of the story is I've worked a ton of jobs, oftentimes at the same time, um, just trying to get to where I am now. And as my wife said, can we, can we just have one job? One of these, <laughs> like, you're almost 40. Can you just have one job? And I told her maybe, I don't think we're there yet, but maybe by the time I turn 40, I'll have, I'll get to have one job. Well, it's been a tremendous journey and I'm really glad that you have brought that up. Cause I think that's something that's really important for people to understand in working in sports. Oftentimes you are probably going to have more than one job yeah. and that's a good thing in a lot exactly. of ways. Yeah. And, and most of the time it's necessary, as I'm sure we'll get into, because um, jobs in this industry are really fun, but oftentimes they don't pay as much as you need to be able to survive as a working mm -hmm, adult. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's been a necessity, but also been really fun at the same time. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about how and kind of open you've been to opportunities, because I think that's something else that's really important, uh, especially in this industry, but probably in many industries. But it seems like you met someone at a holiday party. They offered mm -hmm. you the, you know, at a different person offered you the traffic job and you yeah. said yes. And I just want you to talk a little bit about that and just how important that is to essentially be in a place of yes, especially when you're getting started yeah, in the sports I think, industry. I think, Tracy, it's so important when you're getting started. You hopefully will get to a point later in your career where you're established enough and make enough money to be able to say, man, I'd love to do that, but I just can't right now because I need to get that night's sleep, right? And mm -hmm. what I'm doing right now is more important. But when you're starting out, I think it is so important to 
to as much as you can say yes to, to literally everything. I mean, mm-hmm. I started as a traffic reporter, <laughs> right? right. Let's, let's start there. I started as a traffic reporter, not for six months. And I know things have changed because I'm old, but, but for five years. Um, and I remember six months in, uh, I met with a friend of mine and just said, man, I got, I got to move on to the next thing. Like I need to get into sports. I, I, I don't want to be out of the game too long. And she, she was older and wiser, thankfully. And she uh-huh. said, Kate, Kate, can I cuss on this podcast, Tracy? Can you I- can, you can. Yes, please. Go for it. She, she just, told, she looked me in the eyes and said, slow the f- down. She's like, <laughs> you are going to learn more than you can even wrap your head around right now when it comes to being a good radio personality. Even mm-hmm. though you're just being a traffic reporter, you're working with so many different stations. You're going to make so many connections. She said, excel at what you do in every single report you do. Because you never know when you're going to be doing a traffic report at nine o'clock on a Friday night. And somebody who works for ESPN is just going to have landed at SFO and is going to turn on your station and get to hear you and say, who is that? Wow, I really mm-hmm. like her voice. And she said, but at the same time, be great at what you're doing now, but continue to tell people what you really want to do. Tell people you want to get into sports, but that this is paying the bills right now and you want to learn as much as you can from them. Um, And and lo and behold, she was so right. I met so many people in my five years there who then became champions for me, who had connections Mm -hmm. in the industry, who said, man, you guys, this girl, she's just a couple years out of college, but She's been working her tail off. And because of that, she's way more polished than most other 24-year-olds on the radio. She is, she's right now carrying a load of five different stations for us. She's able to show she can you know, joke around with the country guy and can be serious on our news station. She's also doing sports updates. I tell you, for the last two Thanksgivings and Christmases, she's been in here 5 a.m., no questions asked. Then she's come back for the afternoon shift at 3 p.m. Everybody else is complaining and wanting the day off, and she's just saying yes to everything. And those people became my champions and then helped champion me for the next job. And and also, lo and behold, the guy who ended up hiring me at the sports station, Lee Hammer, who's the program director there, had been listening to me do traffic on some of the other stations he listened to and had heard me grow and really liked my voice. Um, so I think as much as you can at the start of your career, it's really hard because we all want to say, I want to do this. What For me, it was sports. So I will just use that as the example. But but think outside the box because it's it's more, I think, important at the beginning of your career to develop the skills that you're going to need in the long run than to have the actual job that you want in the long run. Like when I started, I didn't even know that I wanted to be a play-by-play announcer because there were so few women doing it. It wasn't mm-hmm. until years into my career when I sent my tape and people at ESPN and NBC were finally actually willing to give me feedback on it where they said, wow, you've got a great voice. Wow, you seem to know every single sport have you thought about play-by-play because this is where the industry is going. We're going to want female, more female voices there in the next five to 10 years. Um, so I think at the beginning of your career, you're not even, if, if you're lucky, you'll end up where you want to be. But at the start of your career, you may not even know what you're going to be doing five years from now. So yeah, say yes to everything for your wallet and also for the connections you're going to make and for the skills you're going to learn, because the, the more skills you have, the harder you are to fire. That's something that I always come back to. If you were lined up against the wall with five other people who are doing what you do, can, can you also produce? Can you also host? Can you also write? Well, Kate can do all of those things, but you, sir, said you could only be on air and you said you only wanted to produce. So we're going to have to let you go because budget cuts, you know, all the things. So, so that's, yeah, say, say, say yes, obviously, as much as you can. And I love that the more skills you have, the harder you are to fire. And mm-hmm. it's so true. And that's so well put. So thank you. 
thank you for saying out saying that. So you brought up a play-by-play announcing. You've broken a lot of barriers as a woman mm-hmm. in sports broadcasting. I was wondering if you could talk with us a little bit about those opportunities. You just obviously told us a little bit about how the play-by-play opportunities came up, but mm-hmm. how they've came come about and and what it's been like to be breaking those barriers. I'm sure in the moment it's not like I'm breaking a barrier, but as you're <laughs> as you're going through it, you know, what have those opportunities been like for you? Yeah, no, in the moment it's terrifying and leading up to it, <laughs> terrifying too. Right. Um, but I think it, it gets back to one of the things I just said, um, I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity. So what Tracy's referring to is back in 2016, the 49ers asked me to call a couple of their preseason football games because, uh, one of their announcers was down in Rio for the, for the Olympics. So they bumped the guy who usually does radio up to their television broadcast and they had an opening on their first couple of radio broadcasts. So that was the, that was the first, first, um, then the following year, the PAC 12, as I mentioned, asked me to call a football game on the television for them because we're a TV network. Uh, and then this past March, uh, NBC, who I've been working with for the past three years on basketball broadcast, wanted to do an all women's NHL broadcast <laughs> mm-hmm. and we're crazy enough for some reason to say, Hey Kate, we've loved you on our, we've loved you on our basketball. We know you call lots of other sports back at the Pac-12. What are you about? What do you think about calling your first hockey game on national television? And I was stupid enough to say yes. Um, no, but- you were smart enough to say yes. Based <laughs> exactly. on your own advice, you were smart enough to say yes. <laughs> exactly. But it all comes back to uh, what I said uh, in my previous answer about having a champion, right? None of these opportunities are possible if, the people at KNBR, which was the radio station that has the 49ers broadcast rights and the 49ers, if they weren't willing to say, this is going to be a risk, probably some people are going to be upset with us. We're going to get emails and tweets from people saying, you guys are idiots. Why are you doing this? This is a PC hire, yada, yada. We know all the stuff that happens when a woman or somebody who's not a white man gets a job in sports, but mm-hmm. um, they were willing to take that risk on me. They were a champion and I was terrified. I really almost said no to that because I, I just thought, okay, I've taken some great strides in my career. If I screw this up, like I'm not only going to set back my career, maybe end my career if I mess up on this, but I also, because I take the the, the role uh, of being one of the few women who does what I do very seriously, I didn't want to let like our entire gender down, <laughs> Tracy. And I know that sounds, that's probably giving myself more credit, but I knew that there was going to be a ton of eyes and ears on things. And I was mm-hmm. just thinking about Beth Mowens and, and Gail Searins and Andrea Kramer and Leslie Visser and like all these women who had worked so hard to prove that women belong. And I just really didn't want to f*** it up for them. <laughs> but um, I'm so glad that I pushed through that experience because obviously it was a huge boon for my career because I didn't suck. Um, and I proved to myself that I could do it. And without that, I don't think I would have been able to call the games. I've now called a number of football games for the Pac-12 network. I, I wouldn't have been able to push through the fear because it was also new, right? The first time we do something, mm-hmm. whatever it is we do, there's all these emotions and stuff that you're not going to experience and know if you can push through until you do it. So that is the biggest thing that came out of calling those 49ers games is like, this was terrifying. It was so much work, but I did it. And mm-hmm. I can do it again. And then when, when the Pac-12 asked me to, to, you know, be the first woman calling football on their air, I was again terrified. But I said, you've done this before. You you can do this. You didn't even have pictures when you were calling the radio games. Now you're going to have uh-huh. pictures. So that makes the play-by-play job a little bit easier. Um, so, so, oh, I know this feeling. It's fear. And, mm-hmm. and I, know, I know that it's not going to go away. But I know if I just look at it and say, hey, 
come along for the ride, baby. We're doing this again. I, I know you're going to be right there with me telling me I'm going to suck and I'm going to fail the whole time until the broadcast is over. But, but I also know that I can make it through. And again, with the hockey game, same thing. Like, I'm so glad that I had those terrifying experiences before, because I don't know if I would have said yes, like call the first hockey game of my career. I had never called hockey before. Do it, uh, do it on a national broadcast of blues, Blackhawks, two of the most storied franchise. Like that's why I say you're an idiot because I just laughed. <laughs> I laughed when NBC asked me and I literally hung up on them. I was like, um, you guys are crazy. Give me a few minutes. But then I called back because I recognized like, oh, this is the utter fear that I felt when the 49ers in Pac-12 asked me the same question. I recognize this emotion and I know that I've been able to get through it before. So they've been terrifying. They've been great for my career. Uh, I think they've been great for other people as well. Numerous people have come up to me and said, wow, like I expected you to suck. <laughs> well, it, these people are honest. I, 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 loved, I love the responses, but, but you didn't. And wow, you, I, I, I was always one of those people who said a woman couldn't and shouldn't do this, but you really opened my eyes and ears. And now I'm looking at things in a different way. And that to me is the biggest compliment, right? Somebody who was totally mm -hmm. against it. Now, even if they didn't like me that much, they might give somebody else in the future a chance for, for being successful and, and for doing that. And that's so important to me, especially as I get older. Like if I never call another football game again, that's okay. But if it, if what I have done opens the door for other women or other non-white men, you know, black men, mm -hmm. and Asian mm -hmm. men, and you know, Indian American men, like if it opens the door for somebody who doesn't look and sound like the people who've done this before, then I'm going to be really, really happy. So that's those opportunities have been terrifying, but, but I think in the long run, really great for me personally, because obviously they've given me exposure um, and hopefully great for other people who, who want to do this too. When you look back in the beginning and you were terrified and you did it anyway, were there any tools that you used to, to push through that fear to say, no, I'm going to do it anyways? Because it would be really easy to say, thank you so much for the opportunity, but I don't think yeah. I can do this. But then you may never get the opportunity again. So I would not encourage that. But do you have any tools that you would use or that advice you could give to people in a similar situation? Yeah. Um, having mentors was a big help because okay. I was able to to reach out to those mentors with my fear and say, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. have them because they're older and have been through maybe not the same, but similar experiences of fear in their careers. They've been able to say, Hey, you can do this. Yes. It's a bigger game than maybe you've called before, but you've been calling games for a number of years now. So just go back to your foundation, prep for this mm -hmm. the same way you would any other game you've been calling, try to shut out the noise um, because you can do this. It's just a, it's just a slightly bigger game, maybe a slightly bigger stadium than you've called before. So mentors were huge. Um, having friends who know nothing about what I do was great too, because they, <laughs> they just have known me forever. They, again, they know nothing about what it comes to research and prep for what I do, but they just know that I've been able to push through everything in the past. And they have been able to just as friends and people who know me on a personal level say, Kate, everything you've tried to do before you can do. So like, Come mm -hmm. on, keep your head up. I know you're having a tough day. That's totally fine. But they wouldn't have asked you to do this if they didn't th think you could succeed. So I think it's been important to have people in the industry saying that and people not in the industry saying that. Um, and then I think also just having a little personal mantra. And, and my wife was great enough to to tell me this all those years ago. Um, and, and she said, uh, look in the mirror and, and tell yourself because it's true. I'm supposed to be here. 
just those, I love that. those little words. She said, yeah, she's, she's obviously you hope for a partner in life who is going to challenge you, but also be a, a big supporter of yours when you need it. And she just turned me around and she was like, look in the mirror. You are supposed to be here. So when you're down at Levi's Stadium, when you're going into, you know, the United Center, like I was in March before the Blackhawks Blues game, she said, just take a second by yourself, because as we all know, one of the emptiest bathrooms when it comes to women's bathrooms are in a press box as opposed to every other sure. women's restroom in the world. But usually you do have a moment or two to yourself in a women's restroom before you it's call very it. Very true. Um, and just look at yourself and say, I'm supposed to be here and take that moment to to close your eyes and calm yourself. And I know it sounds a little cheesy and corny, but uh, but th- those things really helped me get through those moments. I'm supposed to hear that's fantastic. That is really good um, advice and encouragement. I, I really like that. So you mentioned preparation and research. Can you take our listeners a little bit through your process to prepare for a game in which you're going to be doing the play-by-play? Yeah, I can definitely take you through my um, research and prep, um, <laughs> and I can I can really get in the weeds for this. It depends on the sport. Um, so I'll go into football because that's usually you're calling one game a week. Um, uh-huh. So usually it happens on Saturday or Sunday, whether it's pro or college. Um, and then on Monday, you're digesting everything that happened in the previous game. Um, and then usually on, on Tuesday or Wednesday, that's when the, the press conferences start. So you're listening to all of those. I'm reading everything there can be to read about both of the teams. So uh, usually one of the teams is here in the Bay area, read all the different um, newspapers and the athletic and whatever outlets are there, the blogs, listen to podcasts, all that stuff. Uh, And then also do it in the other market, right? So Mm -hmm. newspapers and stuff, because oftentimes they'll have uh, feature stories and might have great things that I can bring into the broadcast that I wouldn't see otherwise. Um, and then I start putting my board together, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, and for folks who don't know about calling games, you usually have, some people call it just a spotting board or a play by play board. Um, but for football, it's pretty intense. You have the offenses and defenses of the different teams who are going to be on the field at the same time on one side, you flip it over, same thing, um, for the others, other aspects of the team and usually go at least too deep, right. As we call it in football. So the starter and the person who may be filling in for them, if they need mm-hmm. a break or get hurt. Um, and then also have all the other guys on the teams. I usually list them on the side of my board by number, um, just depending on, you never know who's going to get into a game. Um, so start putting that together. Some people pay for those. Uh, I, I I've come to learn to have other people put them together. But for me, it's a huge part of my memorization process, actually okay. doing that myself. Um, but I know a number of people, especially people like Joe Buck and stuff who are calling 10 games in four days. I, I know that they have to have other people at that yeah. point. Put them together. <laughs> Fair. But, but putting together the board for me usually takes over a day, usually a couple of days, but that is a huge part of my prep. Like as I'm putting, okay, number 54, Fred Warner. Okay. He, he's a linebacker for the 49ers. Like I put it in here. Um, that always helps me as I'm typing stuff out and then placing it on my board. That's a part of the prep. Um, then usually on Fridays, um, we have our meetings with the coaches. Cause again, most of the games I've called have been college football games. So, we go to the Cal facility or the Stanford facility or whatever, and you meet with the head coach and the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator with your analysts and your sideline reporter. So that takes up a good chunk of the day. And then afterwards you get together and say, okay, here's all the stories I've gathered from the whole week. Um, you know, what, which ones do you want to tell as the sideline reporter? Which ones do you want to tell as the analyst? What, what ones can be graphically supported by our, our production? So let's talk about what kind of graphics you all want to make. So it's a huge team effort, um, but there is just so much 
much work. And the, the hardest thing that you have to learn as a play-by-play announcer, Tracy, is like, you're maybe going to use 10% of that. Maybe. Because, right. because hopefully you're just calling the game. So hopefully at the end, all you really needed to know was the names and numbers because you literally don't have time to say anything else because the game is so exciting. But mm-hmm. most of the games I've called have been week one or you know some non-conference blowout. So you do have to have a lot of the stories. But most of the time, uh, you have to learn as a play-by-play announcer not to force everything in, just to call a game. So um, uh-huh. that's a week in the life um, uh, of the prep, but it is so much prep. Um, and I dive in obviously very deeply to it because as a woman, I just feel like, you know, I've got to be better a lot of times than my male colleagues, because if I make a mistake, it's not going to be because, oh, I just read something wrong on my board, or maybe the team had a stat wrong, but it's going to be on me. And because I'm a woman and I don't belong in sports and I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's a hundred percent true. It is. It's just, and it's just kind of the nature of the beast. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it's probably something that isn't going to change anytime soon. If at, if at all, but yes, as women, we 100% need to be more on our game, for lack of a better word, because mm-hmm. we can't, or better phrase, because yeah. we can't make mistakes like that, because yeah. it is, she doesn't know, the girl didn't know, uh, this is why girls shouldn't do this, you know, all the things, exactly. that pe- all the lovely yeah. things that people say, never women either, never women, girls, the girls, uh, yeah, so there's, you know, there's that, and there's the social media part of it, and it's just kind of, it is it is what it is. Mm-hmm. How does that preparation, however, change for hosting? Ooh, good question. Um, yeah, so hosting, as you mentioned, a radio show now. Um, yes. So I think it's a different level of detail um, because as a play-by-play announcer, it's much more statistics-based mm-hmm. um, and, and being able to tell an entire story. Whereas when I'm hosting now, it's what is the story and how can I ask um thought-provoking questions about the story or, or, you know, stats can be important from time to time, but only if they're supporting a story or proving, proving somebody wrong or right. Um, so I think it's a much broader picture when it comes to hosting. Um, and obviously you're not just talking most of the time about one sport or one game or one team. So you've got to be, um, well-versed on, on everything that's going on in the area. So that has been a, a layer of preparation I've had to get back to, right? I, I've been mostly college-focused, Pac-12 sports-focused for the past five years. And now I'm talking about the NFL with the 49ers and the NBA with the Warriors and Kings and Major League Baseball with the Giants and A's. So I've had to pull back a bunch. Um, but yeah, it's, it's much more... Um, about as opposed to having the answers about asking questions, I think when it comes to being the host um, uh-huh. and being able being able to lead the people who you're working with um, to to those answers and and getting maybe different answers at them, engaging the audience that way, and also having a lot of fun. So that's that's one of my mm-hmm. favorite parts of radio that I get, you get to show sometimes when you're a play by play announcer, you know, um, but it's not often you get to show your personality and sense of humor. So that's one of the things that I love about getting to do play-by-play and radio at the same time um, is that it's it, you're on air for four hours. So you can talk about sports and break down whether the quarterback's coming back or the right guy for your team, but you got to laugh too, because it's, it's four hours of just people right. hear, hearing your voice. So you got to have fun, got to know the stories, got to be able to ask the questions, um, but you also got to be, be willing to show your personality and have a lot of fun. So along those lines, uh, you have some very fun co-hosts. So how has the transition <laughs> to the morning roast been? And really, what's been your favorite part so far? Yeah, shout out to Joe and Bonte. They are doing a great job <laughs> putting up with me so far. Um, 
Uh, it's been great. Uh, I mean, so much fun. It's it's so fun to be back in radio. I have wanted to get back into radio since I left back in 2017 again to go really full time at the Pac-12 because I knew that if I wanted to get my play-by-play and my television to the level of what I felt my radio was at at the time, skill-wise, I needed to go just 100% in on TV for a number of years. Um, So I'm glad I did that. But I always missed radio because it's just a different medium. In TV, you're talking at people. In radio, Mm -hmm. you're really interacting and talking with people because we can take calls Mm -hmm. and and read texts and stuff. So I love the intimacy um, of radio and also the fact that I don't have to put on makeup all the time. Um, but <laughs> but, uh, but to, to do this during a pandemic, I, I'll be honest, it's been really challenging because one, uh, one of the, you know, when you're especially on a morning show like we are, the pace of a morning show is often much quicker than the rest of the shows of the day because you're waking up and you're grabbing your coffee and it's like, boom, boom, we're driving to school, we're driving to work, whatever. So it's usually more upbeat, and more fun than, than the other shows where they may go more in depth on a player or a story. Um, and that's been difficult because we've all been broadcasting from our own homes. So usually we'd be in a studio and when it comes to not stepping on each other in radio and knowing who's going to ask the next question when you're interviewing a guest, like you're four feet away from each other and you're just pointing to each other, you're making eye contact or you're using body language, right? And we we do a video call for the whole time that we're on the air, but it has still been difficult um, to... to be able to have the speed and quickness and seamless transitions that we all want right now while we're broadcasting from home. And then on top of that, I mean, this is silly, but we're dealing with power outages out here in California. So I was not silly. It's not silly at all. (laughs) I was a part of, so, I mean, we're, this is literally week four of our show. There's always going to be hiccups when you're launching a show, just because you're working with new people, you're waking up at four in the morning. Like there's so many layers to a morning show. And on top of that, like I was part of the rolling power outages last week. So for Monday and Tuesday, I did not have power. So I could, didn't have internet, couldn't broadcast from home. So I had to go into the studio in San Francisco. Everybody's masked up. Like it's, <laughs> there's been a lot of hiccups in our first few weeks. So I told the guys like, if we can make it to a week without somebody having to go into the studio because their equipment failed or there was a power outage or something like that then six months from now, we are going to be golden if we can get over all these challenges and hurdles. <laughs> because um, when we have been on air, Tracy, we're having a lot of fun. There's a ton of stuff to talk about. I think for being so early in this new show, we've got great chemistry mm-hmm. already. So, so I'm really excited about what things could look like when hopefully not too far down the road, we're broadcasting together uh, in the studio in San Francisco and having a lot of fun doing it. I hope so. That would mean wonderful things for all of us. So I I hope that that is the case. Uh, I want to take you back a little bit to the beginning. I know we went through your professional journey, but I have a question that I ask all of our guests uh, and love getting all these different answers. When you were first starting out, is there a criticism you received that while tough to take at the time, really helped to shape who you are now as a host and a play-by-play announcer? Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, (laughs) and it was, um, Kate, you got to play the game. And it came Mm. to my appearance on television. Uh, not a big, not a big makeup fan. Not, I'm one of those girls, you know, t-shirt and jeans and a ball cap. Um, and was very proud of the first resume tape that I put together and was ready to send it out to, you know, all the tiny stations around the country to hopefully get my first sports reporter job. Um, and feedback I got was like, Kate, you got to put on some makeup, like look at, look at every single woman who's working in television right now. I know that you, that's not you. And I know that you don't want to do this, but 
there's a reason that they got their jobs. And yes, uh, their knowledge and talent is a part of it, but television is a visual medium. So, so you, right, you got fair. You got to play the game. And I was like, huh. and it was hard at the time, but they used a great example though. So they said, so look, they, they said, look at Ellen, right? Like when she first started out, she looked completely different than the person she is on her show these days. Um, mm-hmm. You know, much more feminine and stuff. And, and because she was starting out and she was having to play the game. And then once you get to the level of success that you're hoping for, then you can be more free and be more you. And and they said, so if 10 years from now you're doing great and you don't want to wear makeup and you don't want to do your hair and you don't want to spend money on clothes, like that's fine. You might be okay doing that now, but right now you got to fit in in order to be acknowledged as somebody who can work in this industry. Um, so it was really, I mean, it might might sound kind of weird, but it, it was a criticism that was hard to take at the time because I, I so wanted to believe like, yeah, but I know so much about sports and you say I'm good at this, but television is a visual medium. So you got to play the mm-hmm. game. And I'm so glad that I got that advice because lo and behold, started wearing some makeup, watched some 12 year old girls on YouTube, show me how to put on <laughs> eyeliner, Tracy. I mean, <laughs> thank, amazing. Goodness, thank goodness for YouTube and those 12 year olds who are way better at makeup than me. Um, but started learning how to do makeup and, and lo and behold, all of a sudden people were interested in having me do stuff on television. So hard to take at the time, but now in retrospect, so they were spot on. I'm so glad I listened. And here we are. And also probably an, an unfair criticism, but kind of going back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, totally. it is what it is. And as you said, yeah. television is a visual medium. So, you know, that's that definitely is a tough one. And I think we often want to believe that that kind of stuff doesn't matter, but you got to play the game. And I think play the game. I think that's that is that is hard advice, especially when we're all trying to say, but, but I do know so much about sports and I'm good at my job, yeah. but yeah, shouldn't there that is... matter? Yeah. But TV is a visual medium. So you, if you want yeah. to, if you want to get to share your talent and your knowledge and your opinions and stuff, then you got to play their game too. So great advice, tough to take, but really good advice. Is there a misstep that you see women making now uh, as they try to break into the sports industry? Mm. Uh, Yeah. Um, and I think it kind of gets back to what I said earlier when we were talking about the yes and all the jobs I've had. Uh, I've met a number of women over the last couple of years who I think have taken too narrow of a scope when they're trying hmm. to into this industry. And I ask them what they want to do. And they say, I want to be a sideline reporter. And I say, okay, that's good. What else? And they say, what do you mean? And I say, okay, well, let's break things down. You're a sideline reporter. Uh, for a team, for for an organization, for one sport, like maybe you're getting to do 15, 20 games for that season, depending on where you live, what market you're in, you're making, it could be as low as $100. I mean, when I was doing sideline for the San Jose Giants, I think I was making like $200 a game. So like, mm-hmm. was that even enough money to pay my rent for a month? Um, you know, and when you get to college, um, hopefully you're making between a thousand, maybe up to 3000, depending on who you're working for. Um, but again, you do 12, maybe, maybe a few more of those games. That's Mm -hmm. not enough to sustain you for a year. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great thing to want to do, but what else are you doing? Like your, your scope 
to me is too narrow. You got to be able to do more than that. It's great if you're Holly Rowe or Maria Taylor, or, you know, there's, there's a, a very small handful of women who are able to do that. But even look at Maria. I mean, she's hosting, she's doing podcasting. Like there's, there's so much more that you're asked to do these days in the industry. So I think that that, that is a big misstep that I see a lot of young women taking that too narrow. So that may be your passion and what you want to do. Totally. I understand that. Like my passion is play by play, but I also report Mm -hmm. and I also host and I also do radio because again, getting back to it, like make yourself hard to fire so you can make that your passion, but don't, don't shut off other avenues. Don't say no to producing. Don't say no to writing because who knows what's going to happen? Who knows if a global pandemic is going to shut down the sports world, right? Like that's one of the things we're dealing with right now. What other skills do you have? I'm so fortunate that I had a past in radio and that the Pac-12 isn't playing sports right now. And the network fired and furloughed so many people. And I'm so fortunate to have been able to say, yeah, but I have a base in radio and I can go back to that right now where so many of my friends are still out of work because maybe they have great skills, but, but not as wide a view as they might um, have wanted to have or something like that at this point in time. So that that's the thing. Try to be as open to things as you can while staying focused on the one thing that it is you really want to do. I like that. That's, that's great advice because yes, be open. You can still focus, but totally. be open. And I think that's yeah. the that's where uh, people sometimes get that tunnel vision, that laser focus, and then mm-hmm. they miss really going back to what we said earlier, they miss maybe that opportunity that wasn't exactly what they wanted, but then were, is going to lead to what they wanted. And so yeah. that's very important uh, advice. And you also, never I mean, know, you also never know when those skills are going to help you later in life. Like it's so helpful for me to know what a producer does, to know what my analyst does, to know what the silent mm-hmm. reporter needs. It, it, it's made me a better play-by-play announcer because I know the difficulties and the challenges and the ins and outs of their job. So even if it's not something I want to do, and even if I only did it for six months and it helps me pay my bills for a couple months, like just having that knowledge has been helpful for me too. So I am going to ask you two questions and then we're going to go into day in the life and then five fun facts, just to give you an idea of of where we're headed. So my first question is, what has been the most fun game for you to do play by play? Ooh, most fun game. Yeah, I've called a lot of them at this point. I'm going to say just because it was the most recent, uh, the hockey game back in March. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think I got into a point because of the other first that we talked about where it really felt like one of the first times where I was just really confident in, in what I was doing and my skills. And do I wish I could have done a, a couple of things better in the broadcast? Yeah, definitely. But I was finally able to, because of that confidence and calm that I felt going into that broadcast, like really enjoy it. I was in the broadcast booth at the United Center, where for anybody our age, Tracy, I mean, it's where the Chicago Bulls won their titles with Michael Jordan. It's where the Blackhawks have won three Stanley Cups in the last decade. Like this is a historic building. So I just, Mm -hmm. I let myself finally get lost in the moment, which is so hard to do when you're working a game because you're so focused on every other, listening to your producer and your stuff. But I just really, I, I look to my side and I'm like, here's AJ Malesko. Like she won a gold medal in 98. She was part of the, the 98ers, which for hockey are like the 99ers in women's soccer. Then mm-hmm. I'm looking down at the ice with Kendall Cohen-Schofield, who just recently won a gold medal in hockey. 
And all week I've been hearing about how AJ and her team were the team that inspired Kendall to get into hockey. So like I'm, I'm getting to work with two incredible gold medalists who were doing such great things. Like I'm getting to work the women back in the truck were so talented. Like Lisa Seltzer helped launch the Anaheim Mighty Ducks as they were known back in the day. She, she uh-huh. moved to LA and helped launch the Anaheim Ducks, the NHL team there. Like so much talent around me. Um, and I finally just let myself get lost in it. And then the, the teams on the ice, I mean, it was a sellout and we've got the Blues who won the Stanley Cup last year and the Blackhawks who were kind of on a down year, but they're such a storied franchise too. And I just thought to myself, like, I'm getting paid to call this game right now. How amazing is this? Um, so hopefully there's many more of those to come, but it's been so long since I've gotten to call a game because of COVID. Um, it just, yeah, it was so fun to get to have that opportunity to be there with all those incredibly skilled people um, and to get to be the person kind of steering that ship, as we say, with the play-by-play announcer. So that was a super fun, really cool experience that I hope to have, again, hopefully not too long down the road. So my next uh, kind of fun question, if you will, is if you could pick only one sport to watch the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, I know. I knew this question was coming. Uh, it's a hard one. I don't, I, I, so I have hard. a hard time with it. It's so hard. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go with soccer just because it's my okay. first, it's my first love. And maybe because I know there's people who hate it and despise it. So maybe that's one of the reasons I'm going for it. <laughs> but I just, it, it is the beautiful game and I love it. Uh, I think I know it probably more intimately and understand the strategy behind it than I do probably every other sport. So that that helps me enjoy watching it. But, but man, I just love the sport of soccer so much, especially when it comes to World Cup, right? Men's or women's, that's when it's just so much fun. So that that is the sport I will choose if I can only watch one for the rest of my life. So before we get to five fun facts, can you take us through a day in the life of Kate Scott? Oh, geez. Um, yeah. You well, can pick the day, whatever yeah. day you want. Well, <laughs> I'll just run you through a day now since Perfect. one of the things is there is no like standard day in my life. Every day is different. My wife has been asking for years if we can get into some sort of routine and I just continue to apologize. But <laughs> um, days right now are because hosting a morning show from six to 10 waking up uh, between 4.30 and 5, um, getting getting up, putting a little makeup on because in addition to being on the radio, we are also streaming live on Twitch, which I understand it's great. It's awesome to get to interact with people, but one of the one of the challenges of being a woman, right? I give my male mm-hmm. friends a hard time all the time. They just get to wake up and roll right into their studio. Um, <laughs> so I put on a little makeup, go upstairs, drink my coffee, do a little more prep. Most of my prep is the night before, but then uh, host the show from six to ten a.m. Uh, then come out and try to try to have a couple of Tracy and I are talking right now in the mid morning at time between ten and twelve. That's when I try to get some meetings or other things out of the way. Um, then have lunch, then take a nap because that's a really important part of hosting a morning radio show. If you're trying to do 4 a.m. to like 10 p.m., you hit Wednesday and you're thinking, why am I doing this with my life? Um, So usually a nap between an hour and an hour and a half. 
then wake up and take the all-important dog for a walk, which is actually a really nice way to kind of wake yourself up after a nap. Just get outside mm-hmm. for a few minutes uh, and then come back in and afternoon and evening kind of prepping for the show the next day. It's, you know, what what did I miss while I was asleep? Because as we know, it's 24-7 right now. So checking on Twitter, checking the text from my co-host. Has there been any news breaking? Start talking about guests that we want to have on the next day. What Again, what conversations we want to have, what questions we want to ask each other, what direction we want to go with the show and then it's either watching the sports that night that we're going to talk about the next day or, or calling a game um so i'm sure when i get back to calling games it'll be even busier and then there will be you know driving places and sleeping in my car and then calling the game that night and getting much less sleep but at the moment that's a day in the life for me that's a solid day it's a very very solid <laughs> busy, day busy. all right before i let you go it is time for of course my favorite part five fun facts and kate i think you know this i say it every week it's something that i started with the 49ers players that i do one-on-one with them and then we've actually on our fangirl sports network uh instagram and on our website we do a five fun facts every week this is just a shameless plug now uh, about <laughs> a different player or series or something that's going on in the world of sports and then yes. of course i've incorporated it in to get my job so every week we ask all of our guests the same five questions. Mm-hmm. And as I say every week, it's very fun because very different answers, which is the cool part about it. So without further ado, five fun facts with Kate Scott. All right, Kate, what is your favorite moment in sports? Ooh, there's so many. I think this might be the hardest one for me to answer, Tracy, but I will go back to when I was a teenager in 1999, I was lucky enough to be at the Rose Bowl when Brandy Chastain and the U.S. Women's National Team beat China in PKs to win the World Cup and kind of set the world ablaze. Um, and we were actually sitting behind the goal where they chose to do the PKs. Just, I mean, random, right? What are the chances? They were the cheapest seats. So we got the end zone seats down at the Rose Bowl, me and some of my teammates from my travel team back in the day. And uh, I didn't realize how much of an impact that would have on me at the time, but getting to be behind that goal as Brandy scored and ripped her shirt off. Um, so that was, that's my, my favorite moment still all these years later in sports. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, how, it must've been an unbelievable moment to be there. Right. And JLo was the halftime entertainment. I mean, it was, we did not know how great a day we were in for when we were 15 or 16, but it has, uh, it's had a nice shelf life. That's for sure. And may I just take a moment to say, JLo was the halftime entertainment then, and to, then was just the halftime entertainment right. at the Super Bowl. Like, good for JLo. Way to go, JLo. I'm just saying. I know. Really, it's it's incredible. So I just would want to take a moment and give her Thank that because that's awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, what is your life motto? Uh, my life motto is a Peruvian proverb that my AP Lit teacher introduced me to my senior year of high school, and it's now rings so true. Uh, little by little, one walks far. And I think it's been very true for me as I listed off my 850 jobs that I've worked to get to where I am. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just reminds me every day, um, just put one foot in front of the other. Every show is a step in the right direction. Every game I call is a step in the right direction. So even on those moments where I'm wondering what I'm doing with my life, um, just I try to remember little by little, keep at it, Kate, one, one walks far. That's great. That's a that's an excellent life motto. What is your go-to workout? Ah, uh, I I hope that I can do an endorsement for these people or something. It's it's not Peloton. <laughs> it's not all the other things. Um, uh, I am huge on cheap free workouts because I'm a cheapskate at heart. So 
And I love that now that we're in COVID, everybody is doing like at home YouTube work. Yeah. But for the past number of years, shout out to Pop Sugar and Anna on YouTube. Free workouts, little hit workouts, all different kinds, all different lengths, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Some are harder than others. And I and I will be sweating up a storm in my guest bedroom. And I love it. So that is my embarrassingly cheap go-to workout these days. I love that. I think that's awesome. Do you have a go-to coffee order? Uh, <laughs> I like to call it the basic bitch. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to make a, a barista laugh, just go in and say that y'all have the basic bitch latte, pretty much just a non-fat latte or now because it's Bay area, like an almond milk or an oat milk latte, just depending on if I feel like being really basic. Um, I just like to keep it simple like that and just some milk and some espresso and I'm good to go. I love it. And a book every woman should read. Mm, yes. Women don't ask. Women oh, don't ask. Oh, I already like it. Yes. I, th- I believe the author is Linda Babcock. It's a little old, but thankfully another woman in this industry gave it to me years ago before I had an agent when I was still do- doing negotiations on my own. And literally 10 pages in, I chucked it across the room. I was so mad because it was teaching me so much about how we so often don't ask for what we want. Don't ask for what we need. Um, we, we just don't ask. So that sets us back salary-wise when it comes to negotiations. Sometimes it sets us back career-wise because we don't realize that really all we had to say was, hey, what they're doing, I would like to do that. What do I need to do that? Um, so when you have a chance, it's a pretty fast read, um, but it has helped me tremendously in all aspects of my personal and professional career. So women don't ask. Check it out. Uh, we will do that for sure. I'm definitely going to check that out. Thank you so much, Kate, for joining me today. This was a fantastic episode. And also, and I know this about you, but it is worth bringing up. You just have like the best voice ever. So I just want to say that that's, it's just, I just, it's just, I know that about you anyways, because obviously I've listened to you on the radio, but when I'm talking to you, I'm like thinking her voice is just incredible. Well, on so, that note, you have a great one too. I was just thinking well, that thank you. Time we've been talking. You have a great voice, Tracy. Well, thanks. Well, isn't this a love fest here at the end of the pod? We really like it. See, it's an it's a nice place at the Get My Job podcast. <laughs> uh, if you guys like what you heard, and I know you did, please make sure to leave us a five star review, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And with that, I will talk to everyone next week. Bye, everybody. Sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the first in tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First in tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. First in tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.